0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app.
1: Hi, so we just finished watching uh, Nayuk, or The Hero, Jitra take on the film industry, Celebrity Stardom, and it uh, features in the starring role, probably the biggest not probably, definitely the biggest star ever of Bengali screen, uh, he passed away 1981. To, pretty early, 80, 80. 80. 80. 80. Eighty. So it was about 53, 54 years old only. This film was shot when Uttam Kumar, that's his name, sorry, Uttam Kumar Chattabhadhar, he was only 40 years old at that point, but he had a 12-year career behind him. And of them, the films that he had made with this uh, heroine, Shuchitra Sen, they remain the legend of Bengali cinema to this day. And they're probably the most loved films. Uh, Then they kind of stopped making movies for a while together, partly because Shuchitra Sen retired and did other things, uh, which kind of freed up Uttam Kumar. Because while he was making these films with Shuchitra Sen, they were of a very specific kind, they were always like romantic melodramas, or maybe sometimes romantic comedy. Uh, and because of their coupledom across about 20 films, I think, altogether, maybe a little more, I forget, uh, they came to be known as this sort of, you know, not just, uh, uh, they were never really involved uh, in, per- in personal life, uh, not in the usual sense, but they came to be sort of thought of as this conjugal couple almost, uh, uh, mythic, legendary. So this is, of course, Yuthi Trashen is not in this film, but uh, I m- wanted to mention her because much of his attraction, allure, comes from those films that he did with her. Uh, I think, Tridankur, I want you to say a little bit more about Uttam Kumar, because that's where we need to start today.
0: Yeah, I want to kind of cite Ray here, because- I'm quite less eloquent than Ray, for sure. So this is his first impression of Uttam Kumar and his writing, Ray's writing, of course. I saw three of Uttam's films made, all in a row, made by one of our ablest directors, Nirmal Then They were, two of them were comedies, mind you. First impressions were certainly good, Uttam had good mm-hmm. looks, a certain presence, and ease of manner, and this is very important, no trace of the theatre in his performance. He also obviously had a future and what a future he had. (laughs) Um, But uh, keep this in mind that uh, Ray starts his journey with Shomintra Chatterjee in 1957 uh, with, uh, uh, sorry, 1959 with World of Opu, but even before that he actually had a plan to make a film with Uttam Kumar uh, called The Home and the World and irony is That film will eventually get made after Uttam Kumar's death. And Uttam Kumar refused the role on the basis that he was uh, offered a negative role in the film. So he was at the height of his stardom in 1956. So clearly Ray had Uttam Kumar in his mind. And Ray was, this. there is this myth that Ray was opposed to the star. He was not at all opposed to the star. He was really interested in Uttam Kumar. And Uttam Kumar plays the more cerebral detective in Ray's oeuvre. That's uh, the film called Zoo, where there is this detective called uh, Bomkej Bokshi that's played by Uttam Kumar three years after this film. So clearly, sorry, two years, 1968. So clearly, Uttam Kumar is not just a star. He is quite, Ray is quite invested in Uttam Kumar as an actor also. And you, and you can see this in this film. So uh,
1: Ray was in the habit of like... Uh, Sometimes, he would write a script that would be meant for one person. And if he didn't get that person to act in that role, he would not even make the film. Uh, so one can think of Chobi Bishash, Jol Shaghar, or The Music Room. But his first uh, original script from a story that he thought of was Kanchan which was a brilliant film. I would have shown that, but I, there's no good copy. Uh, and then this one. so. Um, I was also thinking, you know, of the moment in Uttam's career. Like that's the year Vela comes out, and the next year Anthony Feringi come out. Like these are huge blockbusters. So he's one of the like as I keep keep saying, I'm kind of repeating myself, but he is really something like a it's like Elvis plus Cary Grant plus Tom Cruise all rolled into one, if you can imagine that. So um, I was also thinking. That's the Bengali film industry context, and clearly it's a very much a film about the Bengali film industry. And uh, Ray has this sort of investment in uh, looking at the backstories, and that's what he's doing here, right? Uh, he, made a, uh, he wrote a short story called Babu Film Star, which is really about this guy, this sort of clerical nobody who suddenly by chance gets to be an extra on a film st- st- uh, set. And I think he has, he butts his head by accident and just, yeah, and says, ooh, ah, ah. And that was the, like, the role. But uh, so, you know, like, this is about extras. Uh, Here, of course, it's the -the above-the-line superstar that is being interrogated, that kind of position. Uh, So that's the context of Bengal. Uh, would you want to say a little bit about the international scene? Just remind us.
0: Yeah. I mean, the two obvious references are Fellini, especially the use of wind in the dream sequence. That's obvious, Fellini. And the other is, of course, Ingmar Bergman. Uh, so, so, wild strawberries or some Strollit. That's being referred here in the dream sequence in the uh, all these skeletons and everything. But I want, I really spotted this only this time and this is the magic of the big screen. You spot things that you didn't before. Mm-hmm. The uh, Sharmila Tagore character, the, uh, the uh, modern woman uh, character, so-called, she is clearly based on Anuk Aime in 8.5. Yeah. Yeah. So that's absolutely modeled on Anuk Aime. So if you carefully watch Anuk Aime's mannerisms and ca- characterization in 8.5 and, and re-watch this film, you will see that it's clearly... The glasses. The glasses, glasses and the, yeah. the mannerism, the way she holds her hands... All of that is clearly modeled on that. So these are the two clear references. And uh, Vishwini pointed this out, that Ray actually gave uh, the David osales prize to Bergman in 1963 uh, for winter light. So clearly they were having a conversation somewhere. Yeah. Cool. That is evident. And Parsona also comes out in 1966.
1: 1966
0: so yeah. so yeah. something is happening here. So, and
1: Persona is, uh, for those of you who have seen it, you will know it's an intensely uh, sort of, how to put it, it's about the psyche, right? And splits in the psyche. And uh, here it's, she actually talks about uh, Sharmila Tegor's character, what's her name? Rita? No. No, no, no. What's her name?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Aditi. Aditi, right. Uh, She talks about the subconscious Mm -hmm. or the unconscious Mm -hmm. and repression and this kind of Freudian models. And uh, that's where the dreams come from. Condensation, displacement, I was just waiting for, but they didn't mention. <laughs> but um, yeah, so there's clearly a moment. And this is a little different for Ray because you don't see that many dream sequences in his films. The psychological is less important to him than probably the parapsychological, which is also here a little bit with the willpower and the will force. Reincarnation. Stuff. Reincarnation, of course, as a whole. Uh, chatter about reincarnation. Um, So, Vishnu. Uh, Clearly, this is a film about stardom. It's about an icon, popular icon. It's about celebrity culture. Three internet, if you know what that means. (laughs) Um, So... If you want to talk a little bit about this relationship of these three terms, like what is an icon, what is a art, they're usually used interchangeably often.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, clearly, I mean, we start with um, you know the back of Uttam Kumar's head when he's looking in the mirror. So obviously, we're very in the middle of the film. We're told you don't get the immediacy of the theater audience, you know, for the film star. So the mirror becomes clearly a kind of technology about the mediated presence that the star gets, but also it's where the image is composed. So going to Bhaskar's and Trinanku's point about you know the staging of psychoanalysis. And in, the first se- in that first sequence, we get two bits of information about him, highly mediated. One, he's going to Delhi to get an award. And the second is sort of celebrity culture. You know you know what Tom Cruise has for breakfast, so there's sort of the banal life, the gossipy life of the mm-hmm. film star as highly ordinary. So that's on the celebrity side of the spectrum. And then the other side is the icon, who is always the object of adoration and veneration. Um, so that there, it's in a higher pedestal, carries a cultural field, embodies a cultural field. And the the star is somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. And right in the first sequence, the star is actually placed as an exemplary figure and (laughs) a kind of a really ordinary figure, just like us in some ways. So the star idea for Ray is it's a large social phenomenon, of course, through the public sphere, but it's also deeply intersubjective. right? So he sees himself and he constantly hear about the fact that this ideal image that he's put together and you see him dressing in the first sequence is very fragile. The flop is always coming. It's just around the corner. It's, it's, it's kind of virtual in this film. Yeah. Um, and so there's a part of it, and of course, later on, that mirror sequence is repeated in the train bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, which is the very much persona the reference with a cracked you know yeah. mirror. Uh, so that's the star part. But I think there are no stars, as we are told, without the fans. And I think this is the most, I think, um, complicated elaboration of the fan as a spectrum. You have the adoring young girl who looks at him; He's quite tender towards her. You know, right from there up to the critic, the educated woman who has nothing to do with, you know, the popular movies. It's very much about the popular <laughs> You know, But she, it's, she also has to learn to be a responsible fan. So there's a spectrum of women characters in the film that are placed to think about fandom itself as not just hordes of people rushing at you and garlanding you, but a different set of quite complicated attachments to the star. So I'll just say I think a film is really about the star fan nexus in many ways, yeah.
1: Uh, so Uttam Kumar is often referred to as uh, two things. Mohanaya, which means the great hero. Uh, that's the more respectful way of referring to him. The other is guru. Now, you all understand what guru is, right? Like mm. uh, someone who teaches. But here guru is a very intimate kind of colloquial term that uh, is used to address someone that you are enthralled with, but you also want to be Close to them. You don't think of them as someone terribly removed from you. And uh, who you model your mannerisms and life after, maybe. And so, you know, he was a guru to many, many hundreds of thousands of uh, young men, um, but also women. Uh, They were crazy (laughs) about him. Uh, And, you know, I was thinking about the kind of fanaticism of the fan. Mm -hmm. Like, you see this kind of the crowd, I'd say, they're clawing yeah. almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it's about desire. It's about the desire to be like Uttam Kumar, but it's also a desire for him. Uh, uh, it's complicated. That kind of libidinal investments, and uh, the guru thing is very much about being on the, imagining yourself to be on the same plane as him, whereas the Mohana is of putting him on a pedestal. So there's a sort of relationships that people have when they address the, uh, start that by these separated uh, but these distinct uh, terms. Uh, we have to talk about Shormila Tagore too, because mm-hmm. many of you have seen her before this in the world of Opu, that's her debut around the age of 15. The shooting is happening when she is 14, 15, she's still not left high school. and. Uh, Then she goes on to be in The Goddess, Devi, which is an incredible film. And she has mesmerizing turn. And then she sort of veers away from Ray for a while and ends up in Bombay. By the time this film has been made, she, too, is a superstar, not just regionally, not just within the Bengali film industry, but nationally. And her huge breakthrough film in Bombay is Kashmir Ki Kali, uh, 1964, I think. Yeah. And so this is 66, so it's soon after. What is really funny is when this shooting is happening, she is dating one of the most important people of that period in India, <laughs> the cricket team's captain, Mansur Ali Khan Pataudi, who comes from a royal family. And there, uh, the whole thing was a legend of, you know, the era, uh, and apparently used to come on the sets and uh, be part, like you know, hang out with them all the time because they're just dating them. and they get then they got married, and many of you probably also know that their son and daughter are now such stars too. Uh, anyway, but Sharmila is shooting at this point a film, a little film called Aradhana, mm-hmm. which will become maybe the biggest box of his hit until then. In '65. She was in a film, small role, but in a big film called Walked, which broke all box office records uh, in 65, like surpassing all other films. So clearly, she has arrived on the scene. Uh, Aradhana was huge. Uh, then she goes on to make Amar Prem with the same director. In between, she does Evening in Paris, I think with the same director, Shakti Samantha, Bengali guy, but worked in Bombay. And Swamanta was really pissed with uh, Sharmila on several occasions because. In the middle of shooting, if Shotajitra's phone call came, she would give him a huge block of dates like forty five days, <laughs> so everything else gets stalled right and, and he would grumble, "Oh, God called, <laughs> so you have to go uh, so there's this kind of you know very interesting dynamic between the Hindi film industry in Bombay and the Bengali film industry, and Shutajitra was clearly sort of uh, Remember, this is also the period when, uh, in the West, all of Indian cinema is equated to just Shotujitra. like nothing else is important. Uh, Because this is coming out of the film festival circuit. So there was a lot of animosity towards him from Bombay, for good reasons, I think. They were doing great work. I want to talk a little bit about, just mention this, uh, An Evening in Paris. Look up the, on YouTube, you have the songs. Just put in An Evening in Paris, film songs. And there's one where Sharmila is in a one-piece swimming suit uh, yeah, doing uh, uh, water skiing. It is just the most risky thing you can think of. And the hero is dangling from a helicopter above, trying to woo her. This is like classic Bollywood going big, you know, going to Japan or Paris uh, and doing these massive uh, budget films uh, and trying to kind of You know, make it really big globally. The media. There are at least two media forms, Mm -hmm. sectors that are important here. Who wants to talk about that a bit?
2: Uh-huh. There, are, there are many media folks. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, can we stay with Sharmila for a minute? No. <laughs> I'm just breaking then, yeah. code now. <laughs> but we'll I it. just wanted to say, you know, in this series that we've shown, the question of, you know, the absence of women in some of the popular genre films have come up. And uh, this is a film where the women characters, to go to Bashkar's point about the film star who's the you know, object of desire, funny, sexy, elegant, and he knows it, right? He performs it. He knows he's the object of desire, but the women who are entering the workforce also sort of negotiate. And it's interesting how the Sharvila character figure we're told she's immediately sexualized by him. You know, she tucks her pen into her sari blouse. I mean, we're told, expressively, despite that when she takes off her glasses, she's beautiful, etc., etc. So these are sort of very fine touches about the, the new woman, uh, the city woman, the urban woman, negotiating a place, sometimes by using desire, you know, and using their position in, in a particular way. So I think it's a very complex... Sort yeah. of feminist take um, on, on what happens to all this duplicitous sort of sexual normativity that's imposed on women while they are clearly sexual objects uh, as well in, in these films. So, and I think the film, the culture, the magazine culture is related to yeah, that. The, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. But, and uh, I think if I may just add something yes, to yes. that, uh, the students in my class know this by now. Too, too much, they have heard about this, but Ray actually very systematically analyzes the role and position of women within Indian nationalism, within Indian society after, the, in, after independence. So there's a series of films starting with Devi and then Charulata, and then Home and the World that are dealing with women just coming out into the open from the inner part of the mansion just coming out in front of other men, in fact. And that's a revolution, right? In the 1890s, 80s, or 1905. That's huge. Uh, and of course, Sharmila is part of one of those films, Devi. And then he makes a series of films. Oh, okay. These people, these, these women that I just mentioned, those characters are referred to as Nobina, or the modern woman. And then you have a series of films where you have sort of the city woman who's going out to work it's not just enough to come out of in front of other men not just your husband but they're going to work they're joining the workforce they're in the public spaces they're on their own so it starts with probably the big city Mahanagar, and then there are a series of films Sharmila is actually in a lot of them Mm -hmm. like this one but days and nights in the forest where the the, the hero is trying to be very you know, charming and uh, have control of the situation, but she again and again turns the tables on her in a very kind of Chekhovian game. Uh, and then Shimabodhu, the company limited, mm-hmm. all those films. Uh, so, through those, you start to see another kind of uh, woman character coming up, which Vishnu and I have called the Adhunika, meaning that not just the modern woman, but the contemporary woman, the person. Who has joined the workforce, earns a living, and is more or less free. I mean, yeah. So, Chirankur, yeah.
0: Yeah, going back to Uttam Kumar now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then segueing into the print media. So, uh, there are two observations that I would like to make which are relevant here. So, we are talking about the fans. Mm-hmm. And you see, there are two moments where the star is not recognized. Mm-hmm. One, when he gets down mm-hmm. for a cup of tea, and it's in a, de- it's in a nondescript village. And you see that that is not part of the star's public because nobody recognizes him, one. The second is there is a Hindi-speaking woman mm-hmm. who does not recognize him. And, of course, the kid also doesn't recognize him, the girl. And it shows that he's a regional star. So there is a clear demarcation of where the star's publics are. Mm-hmm. It's a very urban and suburban because you see Bardwan, which is a suburban town, and then there's Calcutta, which is, of course, very urban. It's a city. So there's a clear demarcation of the... Stars, mm-hmm. publics that's one. The other thing is, this whole discussion of the flop paid box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, we must remember that Uttam Kumar, before he became this, uh, this phenomenon, let's say, he was known as a flop master, because mm-hmm. not three films, yeah. but six films, <laughs> back-to-back flopped for him. And then he went back to his job and contemplated whether he should join the industry, and then he worked hard and get, got back. And then the rest is history. At the same. And in this moment of history, there is one magazine that this woman reads called Ultoroth. it's, uh, it's Ultaroth is a celebration, it's a, it's a festival in Bengali. And uh, the magazine is a bi-weekly magazine. So it comes out bi-weekly. And this particular magazine is more or less the emblematic, you can say that, Emblematic film magazine of the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Because this kind of catapults Uttam Kumar's star persona. It would devote numbers of issues, and I have worked on this magazine mm-hmm. throughout the 50s. There, is a, there are numbers of issues devoted singularly to Uttam Kumar, just for Uttam Kumar, like series of photographs and whatnot. You can write a dissertation on this. Maybe not in US, so, but definitely. This
1: in the is a star machine at work.
0: Absolutely. This is like so this magazine machine. that this moment reads? The Bengali magazine, that's a star mission for Tokyo. The so there are many intertextualities happening here.
2: And Molly is reading yes. an English-language women's
0: magazine, magazine which, yes. you know,
2: Femina, the big Indian magazine, magazine,
0: starts in 1959.
2: So there's a whole lot of print culture, magazine culture.
0: Different uh, kinds of yeah. reading publics are yeah. emerging here. Mm. That's one. The other thing that I want to mention is that most of the actors you see here come from the theater. Mm-hmm. And there is a huge debate going on around this time. Uh, let's say in the early 1950s, whether the, the acting that, uh, let's say the theatrical acting that uh, has a long tradition in Bengal, that should be promoted or there should be naturalist acting. And one of the key figures in this debate is this figure called Shishir Kumar Baduri, who is known as the emperor of drama or not mm-hmm. a so he is the one who would propose that film acting is lesser, theater acting is greater, this kind of equation. And that is clearly dramatized in this film. But not just that, there is something else. There was a distinct kind of th- acting tradition before independence, before Uttam Kumar arrived on scene, which is kind of modeled on these two big figures, Durga Manaji and P.C. Boru, let's not get into the names, but importantly, they were very theatrical. And Ray said this is the weakness of Bengali cinema, that it has technical sophistication, but it does not know how to naturalize acting. And this is where Uttam Kumar arrives and changes the game for Bengali cinema. And 60s, mind you, is the pinnacle of Bengali cinema, because not only is it financially stable, but also, not just Ray, but also other filmmakers' films are going in Venice, in Berlin, winning awards, and... Doing wonderful things, so it's a marvelous thing for a regional cinema. So I wanted to point that. that out too.
1: So let's see where can we go. This is again, you know, this it's it's this film is sort of limited on purpose. It's on a train, and there are certain kinds of limitations, and within that, so it's a kind of a. Very strict and economical script, right? Um, So within that, one has to think about, what is it about a train journey like this that makes him open up more? What is it about this break from humdrum life? Everybody seems to act a little differently from how they would otherwise. Who wants to take that?
2: I think we both have t- yes, things we have, yeah, to say. Yeah, least, uh, uh, I, I'll just say the more uh, form or genre-oriented one. Shota tried try three of his films, at least, if not more. Uh, Kanchan Junga, which you heard about in 1962? Two. Yeah, Two. so upper-middle-class family goes for a holiday to a hill station. And uh, so they're in hiatus from their humdrum, ordinary life. And in their conversations and in their interactions, in their encounters with other people, which is very important, there's a kind of a pastoral mode. Like you go away somewhere else on a holiday in order to rediscover the norms that are not really available to you in the busyness and bustle of your everyday world. And again and again he returns to this. So Kanchanagar, 1962, this one is 1966, and then 1970 he makes i think bashkar already mentioned days and nights in the forest or in uh, din which is even more dystopian they actually go to bihar mm-hmm. and to the to the forest and things happen there that are really quite difficult and there i think the sexual norms are at the center right so this idea of taking a break as a reflective space where you can reflect on your you know persona here of course um, but also, I think, you know, for Aditi, you, she also uh, tears up her writing. It's a reflective place of writing. But what she learns is what is it to be a responsible critic who takes responsibility for the star. And if you notice, one of the people he travels with in the compartment also puts his foot up on the on She the becomes paper. maternal she suddenly. She becomes maternal and realizes, you know, he needs care. The star mm-hmm. is also in your care in the public care. And that's a point that's made because they're in this strange mm. hiatus situation. So I think of these as a kind of the pastoral form mm. that Ray that's takes cool. up. And that has a long history in Bengali literature also, mm. but yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, the curious thing about the train is it's, it's, a, mm. it's a slate of hand in terms of the script because stars yeah. by then would always travel by flight. So it's mm. an intentional inclusion or intentional insertion, one could say? And the use of the train as a semi-private space is very, very important. That mm. At every moment, this space is very porous, and you don't know what kind of encounters will happen. That's, that's the beauty of the train. You know the set of people, but you don't know the nature of the encounter. And the train space, is particularly in the case of Uttam and Shormila, this is a very interesting design that, it, that must be noted. When Uttam is interrogating Shormila, Uttam is on the left of the frame, mm-hmm. Sharmila is mm-hmm. on the right. And then their position is reversed. When Uttam is the one who is narrating his dreams and yeah. his failures and his aspirations, and Shormila is the, on the chair of the analyst, let's say. Mm-hmm. So there is a clear inversion going on there.
1: So, you know, of course, these are very well-to-do people because most Indians don't get to travel like that in course. a train. It's just first-class air-conditioned, but probably luxury car with the very fancy dining, dining vegetable, house, no. blah blah blah. Yeah. So, and Vishnu Kanchanjanga, that family cannot be called middle class or upper. upper can't be. They are really rich. That's
2: <laughs> okay. They're really rich, and I think here has a more spectrum of class.
1: Oh, yes. uh, yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. the, the, the the one that shares a space with him, they are very rich because he's the industrialist. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I was thinking also about, you know, authorship. I mean, this is the last event we are doing on Ray. Uh, all this was to mark his centenary, which came and went last year. We couldn't do it, but we have done it now. And the whole idea behind these four films was that we wanted to see stuff that are not usually shown in North America. And the other three, of course, have a clear trajectory. They're, they're, they're more children's films or young adult films in the popular genre, two of the biggest films that he ever made, in terms of box office. This one is about pop culture, right? The popular commercial film industry and celebrity and all that. That's the pop cultural arena. But I was specifically thinking about, if we have to think of Ray as an auteur, like what is his authorship? Who's an author in this film, for instance? Now, it's easier because there's no story that he borrows from. It's his own story. The script is his own idea. So he's clearly the author. But then, if he could not, he would not make the film if Uttam Kumar didn't agree to come on, he would just drop it. That is interesting because that means he's clearly saying he's a co-author. Without him, there's no film, right? It's the way he moves through space. is the way he acts, the way he smiles, the way he looks at. Other characters, all of that—the kind of allure of Uttam Kumar, enigma of Uttam Kumar—that is absolutely crucial to co-writing the film itself. It's being written through his performance. So it's not—you know—Sharmila um, Tagore actually says this in a, in one of her reminiscences that he was a control freak, totally. That's why he stops using other musicians; he composes music mm-hmm. by the middle of his career he's pretty much uh, operating the camera too uh, he's <laughs> often uh, cited as a co-editor so you know he does all of that because he's a control freak but he makes an exception for a few people chhavi Vishash, the guy who was in the goddess or the music room towering figure and i think there's a kind of reference to him also that kind of yeah. overwhelming persona and really let him be who he was because he was using that persona and then this one is also another film. But you know, there's a, another film later on that he wanted to make with maybe Uttam Kumar, but more crucially, this woman. It's about a cabaret on Park Street where all the bars and nightclubs are in Calcutta. And it was going to be uh, it was a, uh, written by somebody else, a novel called Hotel Snow Fogs. And things happened, and the actress that he had wanted to use refused to work with him. That's another story. But he just dropped the whole project. He wouldn't do it. So he really depended on the perfect casting. Mm. And here, I wanted to kind of bring up Bijoya Roy, who I don't think I've even talked about in class yet. But she was the wife. They were first cousins who fell in love and got married and created a scandal. It was only because they were part of the Brahmo which was a sort of reformist, very erudite, and progressive sect that they were able to have a life, and, but because she was so brilliant. And she was quite impressive. And some of the most interesting breakthrough artists that Ray worked with, she actually found them. So I can, kind of want to bring her, her up at this point because she has to be thought of as a co-author too. Mm. Ray the author would not work without Rai also, who always works in the background. But mm. nevertheless, her presence is felt.
0: Can I add something? Yeah, Bijara is not just, I mean, mean, she's there in the background, but she's also an expert of classical music. She's Mm -hmm. also, and folk music too. So Ray used to consult all the time whenever he wanted to use a folk music or Indian classical in uh, his films, especially uh, the folk music that you hear in The Goddess, that particular folk song that you hear that... Ray wrote, and of course borrows the Ramkushadi tune from from a, another song. That he ran through Vijaya, and she is the one who approved the song and said that okay, you can use it; it goes well. You are good to go. Yeah. So he, she had a lot of say on you know Ray's use of music. So there is a collaboration going on silently at the domestic level. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's an auteur complex yeah. with Vijay Roy. <laughs> and there is a very well-known literary uh, magazine called Desh in which she publishes mm-hmm. their life together. Mm-hmm. in Which, which I think has been about, translated.
1: Which our, has been story. Our, our story. Our
2: story. Yeah. Which, again, is part of this print culture and public sphere. And people know her as a co-signatory of sorts in art to these films. Yeah. Okay. okay.
0: Thank you.